0: Check my inbox and what do I see Just another day, another i I'm an addict And I need it in my veins, I'm an addict Otherwise I feel plain now Every day I wake up, people got a problem Making all these trades up Got me singing, got them, but I've been paid up I even started from the bottom See, I don't wait up, I ain't even playing possum So what it cost, I'm just a couple of firsts Can't believe that it worked Not to say I'm a jerk, but I'm an addict It's what I said in the first You can curse all you want praying your church but i am a keep tapping return i win up i learn. i ain't trying to burn any bridges i yearn for the feeling i earn. i'ma it's a turn you had a cheek before i drop you like the beat i an addict and i'm not really ashamed i'm an addict i'm a climbing with the brain i'm an addict and the pot is what i'm made, i'm an addict russin rocky other names. Trade addicts pie. i am Let's
1: dynasty outhouse
0: and i have a trading problem I'm Rocky Petrella, and I also have a trading problem.
2: I'm Leo Pasiga, and I probably have more of a context problem because for me, every trade comes down to context.
1: So already, he's sounding too smart for us, and it's not... It, this was Yes, he's... I waiting. mean, don't get me wrong. I Even in my tweets, said I'm geeking out that Leo actually this, cares enough to show up. This, this is like the, the podcast
0: show. equivalent about kicking your coverage.
1: Yeah, for, for <laughs> me. But... Well, we're not going to geek out too hard because I still have to say, "Hey, everybody, and welcome to session three hundred four of the Trade Addicts Podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, the DAP Network, if you will." And it feels good to do it again. We are back. It. I am back. They have always been here. Thank you, Rocky, by the way. Um, (laughs) And. It's funny, like, the off-season, the non-point score season has been going on. Things have been happening. Things have been happening. And then it's like, all right, Russ can actually come back this show. And there was no, nothing happened this past week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, nothing happened. The only thing I saw, and it kind of felt like worth talking about, is that Baltimore PD suspended Zay Flowers' case without any charges. And... I guess that means something, right? Because like we had that. Uh oh, is something going to happen? But you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself again. Like I'm. Yeah.
0: You me- know, let,
1: let's let's invite Leo on and then have him sound too smart and not talk to him the rest of the show. I completely skipped over the interview. So, Leo, why don't you let everyone know who you are, what you do, and where they could find what you do?
2: So yeah, so I'm Leo Pesiga. Uh, I've been playing fantasy football since the mid '80s and uh, dynasty since the late 1990s early 2000s and most of my written stuff over the years is on dynasty league football and uh you know i guessed here and there for a while i was a little bit of a recluse basically only showing up on twitter and now every other thursday i'm hosting a uh podcast with kevin coleman uh, on the Devi Royal channel and uh, it's called Deciphering Dynasty. It's every other Thursday and we kind of peel back the layers on dynasty strategy and uh, kind of get my con contextual fix a little bit through that podcast. And, uh, but that's pretty much where you can find me. And like I said, I've been around for quite a long time and uh, pretty uh, pretty active on Twitter. Uh, I think most of your followers, followers probably know where to find me.
1: Yeah. And you know, Leo pointed out that he's been playing fantasy forever. Frank's in the chat saying, did Leo use pen and paper? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Probably use like chisel and. uh,
2: (laughs) Cave drawings. Yeah, absolutely. It was USA Today. It was always uh, Monday and Tuesday's paper because, you know, to capture uh, Monday night scores, and uh, we would we would we had a software program that was uh, pretty basic that we would just implement everything to and uh, send out uh, uh, a real fundamental facts that would go out to everybody. It wasn't even an email; it was uh, facts that we would send out on uh, you know Wednesday morning with the updated standings.
1: All right, So, kids, a fax. Is- <laughs> Picture like an email over a phone that just mm-hmm. prints out of a printer, just in case. Uh, so, it's. I got into the fantasy community in. I mean, at this point, it may be about ten years ago. Actually, I know for a fact it was about ten years ago, and I, I started trying to consume Dynasty content before I actually started playing Dynasty because I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was just me, but I know it's a lot of people that like. It dynasty seems like such a big jump from redraft. Like, I don't have time to do that year round. I can't handle that. So I'm like, all right, let me let me do this before I jump in. And one of the first things I found was was Leo on Twitter and on a you know host uh, guesting on a on a podcast, and I learned about the Notebook. And you know, I'll let Leo talk to the Notebook in a second. And it was just like. Reaffirmed how terrified I was of Dynasty. <laughs> so so, a, a, and then what really funny is like, well Leo, you know what? Tell everyone about the Notebook.
0: Yeah, it's such a great well, idea, and me and Russ are too lazy for it. We cannot do. That. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, I feel bad that it terrified you because that is never the idea or the impetus behind the Notebook. I mean, basically, and it and actually, the Notebook stems from Redraft and just carried over to Dynasty, all it really is is uh, profiling tendencies of your league mates because your league mates generally find comfort in certain repetitive patterns, whether it's how they draft, how they trade, how they set their lineups, how they negotiate the trades, and... Because they're comfortable in certain, in certain patterns and, and being repetitive, it's kind of easy to just profile. And I always recommend, cause it can be daunting if you're in multiple leagues to just pick one league, your favorite league and just kind of track some pretty basic stuff from the other league mates in the league. Like for me, fantasy football really comes down to implement having a strategy implementing that strategy and then evaluating that strategy. And you really can't evaluate anything unless you track it, unless you understand the reasons why you're doing something. So even in this day and age, at this stage of my game, if I, if I were to make a trade or I were to implement a process, I'm still writing down the whys behind it because I need to know whether the process works and I just made a bad choice or whether the process is broken. And the only way, again, to, to understand that is to know the reasons why um, the I's and the T's as to why I was doing this. And that's, you know, the notebook, like I said, it started in redraft. I, you know, there was a bunch of there were a bunch of guys. I had one one guy in the first le- redraft league I did that practically fell asleep every draft. <laughs> and what he would do was he would keep one ear open. And if somebody happened to mention a player's name under their breath, they would pop up and pick that player. And so, you know, again, those tendencies just kind of revealed themselves. And then as I started playing Dynasty, because league mates, you know, practice those tendencies year over year over year, it became an easy tool to identify to identify patterns and, and know how to take advantage of certain situations.
1: Yeah. And the dedication, the patience, the actual I'm going to throw I'm throwing air quotes up here knowing what you're doing and following a process. If I didn't use my sarcastic voice heavy enough, like I love every time Leo tweets out something along those lines and I'm just like process, right. Is <laughs> just clicking buttons for fun process. Cause it feels like it is. And most of it's in jest, but really yeah. it it's, it's just a lot of, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, you know, that's the, the right way to do it. It's like playing poker. Everyone says the best poker players, you play the table. You don't play your cards. You play the other people you're playing against. And that's why I'm terrible at poker. Um because I'm like ooh I got good cards let's just go and and you know I end up with tells and like oh Russ is betting he has good cards again
2: you know yeah. but I I bet you I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit because honestly I I guarantee you that if you're if you in a long standing league and and let's just talk about rookie drafts cuz that's what everybody's talking about right now online with you know um, evaluations and how they think folks are going to get drafted, what slots. I guarantee you that if you are up against a particular league mate, particular manager, and they've sniped you two or three times in the past, or they tend to evaluate players the same way you do, you get a sense. Go, you already know. If you're picking one seven, that the player you probably want is going to go at one six. And you may make some adjustments and say, I need to get to one five if I can, because that guy or that gal always picks the person that I have on my board. We evaluate the same. So if you have that situation, that's that's basically what the notebook is in simplified form. You already, I'm sure there's there's somebody that you trade with that, you know, that. the the initial offer is going to be awful or the negotiations are going to be like dragging through mud or this person is always active and will make a great deal. You know who those folks are. You know what, you may not have it written down. You may not have it profiled out in layers, but you, you will have an idea. And that's, again, that's the fundamental basis of what understanding your league mates and their tendencies is all about.
1: Yeah. And speaking of league mates and, People that I'm in multiple leagues with, I need to voice my upsetness with you about your dynasty disciple, or I call him your dynasty son, um, Zach Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's too good, and I don't appreciate. <laughs> I don't appreciate how much information he's taken from you and used it against me.
2: Well, I'm never going to say a disparaging word against against Zach. So, uh, my son says that he's my uh my twin brother and that my long-lost twin brother and uh I, there's I think there's some truth to that.
1: <laughs> yes, you are both wonderful people and now I'm going to stop a uh, stop uh, brown-nosing and ask you what are some of the best and worst trades you've made in Dynasty?
2: Oh lord, I've made I've made a lot of bad deals, um, but again, it's learning from that and oh, trying yeah. to improve. I, one of the trades that I still remember, there were two that were awful. Um, one was the draft class um, that Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle were in, 18. and I, I remember trading back one spot thinking, well, I don't mind picking who's ever left. Um, I had a deep running back stable at that time in that particular team, and I wasn't too worried about – which of the two was there and I and Chubb went one with the trade that I I made and I ended up getting Sony Michelle and I regretted that for, you know, a solid four or five years. Uh, Another one that I remember that sticks out as terrible was I, I was much higher on Laquan Treadwell than I should have been and uh, felt that he was going to be a, a, you know, worthy of, of, the high pick that he was in rookie drafts that year, and right after the draft, I remember somebody had offered me Michael Thomas and a future first rounder for Treadwell, and I had turned it down. Oh. Um, so, so just because I have a lot of dynasty experience and I've I've certainly gotten a lot of success and accolades over the years, I make just as many mistakes. And again, it's learning from that and um, just processing those misses. Um, there's been quite a few trades that, you know, I've made over the years that were definitely positive. Um, but those, the, the, the ones that you win don't stick in your mind anywhere near as much as the ones that you lose.
1: Wonderful human brain, always just pushing the negativity forward, Mm -hmm. but come on, Mm -hmm. let's, let's palate cleanse. What are, there's gotta be a good trade that you remember that you're just like, I don't want to brag, but,
2: uh, yeah, you know what? I, I, I focused on the negative ones just because uh, I, I really didn't have any that that stuck out as being, you know, um, really positive. Uh, there were a few I'm trying to think. Uh, I remember getting um, Stefan Diggs early on uh, for, for relative peanuts, uh, a couple of trades where I moved uh, some really late draft picks and, and was able to snag him. Uh, you know, late, even though the, the draft picks, I want to say were like fourth and fifth rounders and I was able to get him uh, late second, early third in a couple of leagues the year he came out. Um, but yeah, I, there's nothing really that, that resonates as, oh my gosh, I really won that deal.
1: Yeah. I, it's, it's so frustrating that way. Like you want to be able to be like, yeah, I did this. Wait, no, what did I do? I have to, I have to have made good trades, right? Like, I can't can't think of any.
2: Yeah, I was going to pull out a couple of the old notebooks and look through them as as I was, you know, prepping for the show and and ended up getting sidetracked and was like, oh, I'll think of something. And now that I'm on the spot and have to pull something out of the old noggin, it's just those great trades that uh, what I'll have to do is I'll have to go through the notebook and I'll have to. Um, mention the podcast, and I'll have to go since I couldn't think of anything on the podcast. Here's a couple that actually <laughs> happened. That now that I've gone back and looked, here they are.
1: That's what you get for trying to prep for our show. Mm. That's what it is. My
2: <laughs> mistake. I will never do that yep. again. Never.
1: Yeah. I don't do it. Rock we don't. Know. Yeah. What <laughs> is a guiding principle you take with you, whether you are offering or evaluating a trade?
2: So, dynasty trading. Comes down to three things for me, always three things. And it's, um, first of all, you have to find the variance. I talk about that a lot on deciphering dynasty. You have to, you have to know the variance, whether it's buy or sell. You have to be, be be able to identify that and able to move the needle in a particular direction. Uh, your whole goal in dynasty trading, talk about negativity is to mitigate the failure. You want to make sure that you, um, that you don't, Put yourself into a really bad spot. And in a league that isn't active, let, let, me, let me back up. Leagues that are active, you have a lot more forgiveness. You have a lot more room for error in your judgment, in applying strategies, processes, because an active league allows you to correct mistakes that you learn from and move in a positive direction. A league that isn't that active, each move you make is magnified so much more because you can't compensate for that mistake. So again, that said, find variance. That's the first thing. Always dig for variance. Always try to mitigate failure. And whether that's adding a second or a third or an additional draft pick, um, whatever you need to do to mitigate that failure. And then the last thing is what we talked about already is track tendencies. Have an idea what door to knock on before um, as you're crafting that deal craft a deal knowing that this is the bait that's going to get that particular league made to potentially bite.
1: Do I have Kirk cousins? Yes. Should I trade him to Rocky? Yes. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> so, but yeah, those are the three things that I pretty much try to apply across the board when it comes to dynasty trading.
1: We have Frank in the chat saying, let's just have TA episode three Oh five be Leo reading a notebook for 90 minutes.
2: <laughs> I, I was actually thinking that I might bring one to the expo this year just to have it, put it on display while I'm gonna, there in Canton.
1: Make a display case. That, yes. that could go down. That would be part of fantasy football history right there. Like the first notebook, just get that up there. And then we'll have to find a USA today from the mid eighties. Yep. Like, and that will be the one everyone talks about. We had to wait for you <laughs> today. It that one. That one. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, there was no real news to talk about. So we have trades. We have listener questions. Leo, which do you want to do first?
2: Um, Well,
1: let's work through the trades. All right. Trade Addicts leagues are 12 teams, Superflex, PPR, tight end premium with 1.75 per tight end reception and 0.05 points for return yardage in all of them except for TA1. And we have TA1 trades. So let's jump in. The first one is – oh, man, I forgot to write a player down, but I think this was I you, Robbie. so,
0: too. I was like, wait a second. I had
1: to go back. I remember back. being like – it was a running back, and it was a running back that was like, eh, and so I completely forgot. So it's Jalen Hurts and Chris Godwin for Lamar Jackson and – I believe it
0: was Javante Williams.
1: Yep. Jalen Hurts and Chris Godwin for Lamar Jackson and Javante Williams.
2: Well, that change, certainly changes the notes that I had written down. Yeah, that's you on that one, that's why well, you don't prepare. That's why that's, you don't prepare. Absolutely, good call. All right. Um, well, originally I was like, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. As much as I like Lamar Jackson, I would take the free wide receiver because uh, they're so Otherwise, it's so close. Um, adding Williams to the deal, I would lean the Lamar side. Uh, I think that I would rather Godwin comes in at like wide receiver 30 ish and sure he might have an up year next year, but I would rather, I would rather take Lamar and take the, uh, take the running back, especially, uh, looking like he'll go into 24 healthy, uh, and, and ready to rock right out of the gate. So for me, it would be Lamar and Williams.
1: Yeah, this is super close to me and this is almost pick your poison, um, I have Hertz ahead of Lamar, but like, eh. and I have Javante ahead of Godwin, but eh. (laughs) But like, so, so this, this really does feel like whatever, whatever makes you happy, whichever, whichever you really want. Um, So I guess I would take Hertz and Godwin because I value the QB more and I value wide receiver over running back though. This Knowing that this will be the year, I'll do this trade, and then this is be the year Javante like does what we've been waiting for him to do, and then I'll just cry about it. Um, but I am gonna guess. I'm gonna guess you. I, I don't remember. Did you <laughs> actually trade away Hertz and get Lamar and Javante? I did so, because yes, you're a perfect guy, a guy. guy. So I needed to just try and think <laughs> about which direction you went.
0: I know, yeah, but it, I guess uh, technically trading down at a quarter like, like you, I, I have like hurts at like three and her and Lamar at like four, or five, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think Andrew Hall actually sent this to me, um, something similar, and and we kind of tweaked it a little, but. I'm yeah, I, I rather take the upside swing on Javante still only 23. Uh, and I'm not sure Godwin has any more significant years left than, than Javante might. So uh, I might as well say, I think there's a bigger chance for a a value upswing too with Javante. I, I, I've been saying since the injury happened that I thought 24 was the year that we'd actually, you know, he'd be fully recovered. And if he's ever going to be a thing, it's going to be this year. So uh, the downgrade, if you even want to call it that, was minimal to me. So yeah, I'd rather have Javante than Goblin. It's basically what it came down to.
1: Makes perfect sense. Ugh, you and Andrew making good trades, ruining <laughs> the show, and like not giving us anything to argue about. So this next one is the reason I love and will always type trades out the way they come through MFL. MFL puts them in. Position and alphabetical order. So I'm starting off reading a trade with the name Matt Breda. <laughs> and that makes me happy. <laughs> so this trade is Matt Breda and Dalton Kincaid for Comet and the 110. All intents and purposes, Kincaid for Comet and the 110. What do you think, Leah?
2: I'm taking Comet and the 110. And I mean, Kincaid is and Comet are almost the same age, even though uh, you know, you think Kincaid might be younger. Uh, and the one ten, especially in a super flex league, is going to hold some nice value, right? You're probably talking Troy Franklin, Xavier Worthy, Brian Thomas, maybe JJ McCarthy in that one ten slot. So to me, it's a tight end swap, and I will benefit with the one ten and and do it pretty happily.
0: I uh, I totally agree with Leo there. I I'm not. I, I like Kincaid, but I'm not 100% convinced he's ever significantly a better fantasy asset than Komet. Uh So the, I'll take the 110 with Komet pretty easily. Komet, Komet's not, never going to be an elite tight end, but he's fine. He's he's a low-end tight end one uh, with maybe upside for a little bit more than that. And, and uh, Kincaid's, you know, he had a nice rookie year, but I, I'm not convinced he's like our next superstar tight end, well- so...
2: The only, pick. the only thing I would add, the only variable that made me even hesitate a little bit is simply the continuity that's going to take place in Buffalo with Kincaid. I mean, you're talking about a new quarterback, probably in Chicago. True. You're talking about the ninth overall pick, right? In addition to the first that could probably be a wide receiver, uh, which could shake the dynamic of that offense a little bit. So there are some variables in there, but again, it all depends on this time of year trading is difficult to begin with because you've got a draft coming up that's going to change depth charts. You've got offensive co- coordinators and coaching changes that just recently took place that you don't know what the impact is going to be, how substantial it's going to be going forward. Um, free agency, draft class, all of that comes into play. So so trading now, while while there is – that window, that opening to make these moves and to take advantage of this opening, you really have to have a cast iron stomach and be able to kind of digest what the changes that are on the horizon because there's a lot of um, volatility involved in, in some of these depth charts that you just don't, you're not privy to at this time. So so we're talking about it in a vacuum saying if everything from 2023 is the same in 2024, this is what I, in 2024, this is what I like. But let's be honest. I mean, Caleb Williams could come in and struggle or could light things on fire. We have no idea what that transition is going to look like from Fields.
1: Yeah. um, So I'm going to start off by saying I agree with you guys. I would take Komet in the 110. But here's my thing. If I'm a Kincaid believer, there was like when Kincaid was crushing it in like that third quarter of the season, he was up at like tight end, two. It was like Laporta, Kincaid, and everyone else. And if you believe that's real, this seems like an easy sell to go get Kincaid. A- and I just happen not to think that. <laughs> um, like, he was always a little overvalued to me. Um, I mean, he was also drafted at the, what, like, the 110 in a worse class. So, like, the price is a little... Like, again, like, it's it's everything Leo said. But the thing is, if you're not a Komet fan... And you are a Kincaid fan. This feels like an easy price to pay. I'm just, I don't fit yeah, in.
2: And, and what if the 110 ultimately ends up being Brock Bowers? Because he falls. And now you've doubled up, right? Now you've doubled up with Komet and the number one tight end in this class.
1: I just so, heard John Bosch's ears explode at the idea of Brock Bowers making it to the 110. You like <laughs> you he, never, he, I mean, again, again I don't know what to draft that class
2: but, Yeah. <laughs> it could
1: happen. Well, now, now there's real hype of McCarthy going top twelve, which will push yeah. him up in the, that pushes Bowers to the seven or eight. So you're you're not wrong. We're getting there.
0: And people love these receivers too.
1: Yeah, yep. and I don't know if you guys were on the Super Bowl on the right before it started. There was a scroll on the bottom of a bunch of different mock drafts. Almost everyone had like Bo Nix going in like the mid end for like. And if any of these quarterbacks make it into the first round, they're making it into the first round of rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. Ugh. it's, it's so tough when there's these good classes because then it makes no one want to trade their firsts away. <laughs> okay. But we, we have more firsts. Let's keep going. Kyler Murray and Mark Andrews for Jordan Love, Christian Watson, and the one Oh eight.
2: Am I going first? I guess. I mean, yes. You might. Well. Okay. okay. All right. Well, that's cool. Ready. Um, I don't want to just, uh, if you guys want to jump in and go first, please feel free. Uh, For this one, I would side on the Murray-Andrews side. Uh, I would rather have – I think Mark Andrews comes back strong next year. Again, there's continuity in Baltimore. Uh, I'm comfortable with him uh, producing at a high rate, even though he's going to be 29 and 24. I still think you get another two solid years, three out of him production-wise. Kyler Murray, to me, is really – um, no different than Jordan Love. They're almost the same age. And the thing Jordan Love is carrying—what did I say the other day? Like sardine insulated. The the school of dynasty thought right now is to is to have a lot of value placed on Jordan Love because he was a darling this year. So I think he's carrying a little bit of inflated value. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather have Murray and Andrews Watson is in a crowded stable with uh, a couple wide receivers, young wide receivers that we're really not sure who's going to dominate as an alpha in that wide receiver group. And the one eight uh, to me is, is, you know, a crapshoot. It's not a top four pick. I think there's some risk baked, in, baked into that. So give me Murray and Andrews.
1: So, I'm in the uh, DLF Superflex mock, which of course has been stuck on the 109 for about 24 hours. Um, I have the 111. So far, the draft Mahomes, Allen, Stroud, Herbert, Hertz, first of all. Hertz falling down to five, which is um, Lamar Jackson, Burrow, Jackson, and then Jefferson Chase. So we're at the 10, and I'm sitting there looking and scrolling. And I have Kyler Murray as my first pre-draft. Like, I... Kyler Murray had his worst points-per-game season this year as QB10. Coming off of a bad injury. So, like, it it seems crazy how we're still leaving him discounted. And, like, Rocky's sitting here like, I've been saying that for a year and a half. And I'm like, (laughs) I was the one that was waiting. I was like, no, I'll wait. I'll see. It's fine. And they're like, "All right, it's happening. Let's go." Wait, why is everyone still waiting? What's happening? <laughs> like, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I I think this is the Kyler side, and the problem with this trade, it, like, it's easy for us to say the Kyler side because, like, this is clearly what we still think of Kyler. But how? Okay, so let's pretend, like, like Leo said in the first place, like, Kyler and Love seem similar. So let's pretend you are low on Kyler Murray, okay on Jordan Love. We cross them out. How much more is Mark Andrews than Christian Watson in the 108? Uh, At least a little bit. Uh, Like, that's the thing. It doesn't feel super far off because, like, realistically, what are you paying for a, what, 28-year-old tight end coming off of an injury?
2: Well, this, is, this is where context matters, because if you're rebuilding, then I can see the 1-8 having that value. If you're a top five team and you're one premier tight end away from making a serious run for the next two years, the way your roster is constructed, I'm all in on Mark Andrews. So, you know, in a vacuum, you're right, they're probably pretty close. Uh, But when you start to layer it in context, what does your roster look like? What's your goal? Uh, You know, are you a bottom five team? Uh, You know, give me the draft pick if I'm a bottom five team, unless I've got four teams in that league that are all in dire need of a tight end that are all competitive, then maybe I think forward and say, I'm going to take Andrews now and flip him. But otherwise, I'll, I would take the pick. But so in this particular instance, I do think context matters. But in a vacuum, to me, you know, I, if, I'm a, if I'm a 500 team and I can use a tight end, give me the solid contributor that's there that I know is going to perform every week as opposed to a, a pick I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to get and a wide receiver that I'm not even sure if he's going to be the third best wide receiver in that Packers offense. Yeah. I just want
1: to Rocky one more time before he goes (laughs) to talk. Um, But you're forgetting something, Leo. It's February. Nobody's scoring points for a very long time. This is like, this is why I love non-point scoring season. It's pure made up value. Like (laughs) there's no wrong answer right now. Um, You're right. right. (laughs) Which is why, you know, in why I love the leagues that these have become and you'll see because the next trade involves a piece from this trade, like it, like you said, it kept rolling. Um, Which is why, like, when you're sitting there, like, are you rebuilding? Are you doing this? It's like, uh, is anyone really rebuilding or competing right now? I mean, a little bit, but like, value is value. And none of these players are heavy air quotes old, even though Mark Andrews is the closest to getting there. Um, But... Absolutely everything everyone has said so far, even though I have not let Rocky talk. And now at this point, I'm talking for a little bit longer and a little slower, just to hold it out a little bit more because I missed it. I was,
0: <laughs> I was just going to echo what Leo said about Christian Watson. That I don't know that he holds a ton, and I'm a guy who liked Christian Watson a lot coming out, but uh, between the injuries and the fact that, like Leo said, there's there's like. Four young wide receivers there. If you, if you want to throw Octavian Wicks into the mix, that have all played well, Jaden Reed, Romeo Dubs, and, and Watson. So even if he stays healthy and even if he plays well, I, I don't know how much uh, eventual fantasy production you're going to get out of him. I don't think his value is going up this offseason for any reason. So, uh, yeah, I, I, just, I just wanted to chime in on that part of it and agree totally that, that Watson's value is kind of, kind of declined for me in the last several months.
1: And I yeah, I agree with Watson as well. As soon as there was someone else that was good at catching the ball on that team, he got zero volume. Yeah. That and not being able to have two hamstrings at the same time it seems. Like he's he's a one hamstring guy uh and, and not being able to get on the field all that often. All right, so like I said the next trade this guy goes right away, flips the 108 and the 113 because we have the winner of the toilet bowl getting uh, the pick at the end of the first, an extra pick at the end of the first. So the 108 and 113 for Brock Purdy. And I'm going to read the name, but it's a bunch of okay. For Brock Purdy, Khalil Herbert, Aaron Jones. Isaiah Pacheco, Sky Moore, and Alex Pierce. Alec Pierce. I typed Alex. Um, see, again, why you should never pay attention to what I type because it's sometimes 90% correct. So the 108 and 113 for Brock Purdy, Khalil Herbert, Aaron Jones, Isaiah Pacheco, Sky Moore, and Alec Pierce.
2: You know you know what so keep the fishing references going when you go fishing you, ha- you have a bucket of chum that you throw in to try to to generate some some activity some fishing activity i mean that's what this to me is you're talking about draft picks which are only going to increase in value that are going to make you um you know you're going to have draft capital to move to be a player to be draft active as we get closer to april or you could have You know, uh, to me, all of those guys are replaceable. I mean, in a super flex, Purdy carries a little more value, obviously, than one quarterback. But I'm not losing sleep over moving any of those for the two draft picks that are going, again, going to make me. If if I took any of those players and tried to move them around an April draft uh, or whatever June draft, whenever your league's. Draft. I'm not going to generate much interest. Purdy in a super flex will generate a little interest, but the rest of them. I mean, I got to find the right buyer for any of those guys, any of those running backs, those wide receivers. Give me the draft picks because I'm going to be able to be a lot more active with those.
0: I actually, I I basically discounted you know four of these players, and it basically comes down to Purdy and Pacheco, uh, I think. And Warren
1: yeah, Jones disrespect.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, he's. I mean, he's
0: he's got a little value, more so than the other three guys. But uh, I actually kind of lean the player side just because I think pert And I agree with the leader says too. I mean, you're going to be able to move 108 and 113 a lot easier than any one of these particular players. And I'm not even the biggest party guy, but I feel like Purdy for the 108 is pretty fair at this point. Uh, and 113 like that's basically the 201 uh let's let's throw Jones in there for Pacheco and Jones I I think that's pretty good value actually so uh the, the two running backs that could produce decently well one of them still young so uh I kind of lean the players value wise but I, it totally makes sense like again with context that one team is trying to to sell off players for picks because they're rebuilding uh then I totally get it, but I would lean the players.
1: Now, I, I need to, I need to, okay. So the guy who had Purdy on his roster before this trade, so the guy, you know, who ended up trying, who was trying to deal Purdy, um, sent me an offer like 20, 30 minutes before this went through. He was offering me Purdy by himself and then asked for the 103 and Tank Dell.
0: No, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs>
1: To, to, which must have said, been drunk. <laughs> to which I said, maybe I would consider one of them. And then he comes back like 10 minutes later with Purdy for the 103. And I almost wrote, I was wrong, uh, but I just rejected yeah, it. because I love, it. Like, wasn't going to comment. That, it's not really, ugh. but, but I, I really was trying to think of what I value Brock Purdy at. And the truth is, I think it does come down to that 107, 108 area. At this point, the top three quarterbacks going to three places. That all right? The the Patriots is probably an awful situation, but Chicago is in an awful situation, and Washington isn't an awful situation. Like, so I think I might put the top three quarterbacks above Purdy at this point because Purdy's good and is in a great situation. I I don't know what goes on more than past this year with with or what even into this. Because Ayuk is on his fifth year option, but does, things don't seem to be going great between him yeah, and him so right now.
0: definite trade uh, fire there.
1: Yeah, and, and it seems like cap might start being an issue at some point. But it's Shanahan that he is—he's great in that offense. It doesn't super matter. But the thing is, what's Purdy's ceiling? Like, it, it's easy to say that he finished as QB eight in points per game this year, but he's still QB eight this year was the twenty-one points per game. That's usually QB twelve through. 27, you know, like you usually have like 21 to 19 points per game is like almost every other quarterback besides the really good ones. So like, honestly, I probably put Purdy in like the top of that top tier, which is that 107, 108 area. So that being said, sure, if you want to give up the 113 for two running backs, you'll be able to put in your starting lineup. I guess I don't want to do it, but I I don't hate someone that wants to. So this trade is is finer than it probably looks, just because like they, they just kept clicking buttons. They're like, who who do I want to who am I get who do I get a, who am I going to drop to make room for these draft picks I'm going to make, and let me just give them to this other person. Yeah, but yeah, so that just made it seem a little worse. But the trade is fine. All right, so now let's move on to trade addicts 2. and I love when things work out so easily. Uh, Jerry, who is a a dear dear sweet friend goes into the group chat and says i will give the 201 for any 25 first i'm like i'm bored and i want to win this league next year okay (laughs) so i sent my 25 first for the 201 and he just accepted it so that was the trade 25 first for the 201 and i will put into a little context in that for what we know right now this is going to be an astronomically better draft class than next year is going to be so to me the 201 will hopefully be better than the i'm going to be a little realistic the 110 11 or 12 because i just i can't win trade addicts leagues it happened once just to give me the taste i i and i'll never get it again but so so i'm sitting here at 201 which first of all is where i drafted my boy in 2020 over and over and over <laughs> again so when i hear heavy wide receiver class with qbs pushing down some wide receiver talent. I'm like, I'm going to get me my next T Higgins. And I want all the two Oh ones in every single draft. So I was just like, yeah, sure. Fine. I feel like trading let's do it. And it went, it was fine. Yeah.
2: I like it. I think that, uh, so for me, usually the way I gauge it is if I'm moving a current second for a future first, uh, if it's going to be one, two or three in the second round, I'm making sure that that first is, uh, even though things can change, even though that team that's potentially rebuilding could end up being the Houston Texans and all of a sudden play in, you know, outseating their expectations that can happen, but I still like to see what the roster is. So if I'm moving two one, two two, two three, I want it to be to a team, a future first that I think is going to be a top four or five pick after that. You know, I have no problem at all moving anything from two, five and lower for a future first. And I don't get too particular about it because, again, it's all about being draft active. I like to be. And so even with a class that isn't projected to be that good, um, you know, I think that there are certain players that come out of the woodwork. We tend to over inflate because th- those folks that have draft picks want to build. Um, you know, engagement and want to uh, have value attached to them. So we tend to pump up draft classes, regardless of the overall talent. It just happens every year. So again, two, five or later, I don't care. Top of the top of the second, I want to make sure it's going to be a good pick. So in this case, if you think your first round pick is going to be nine, 10, 11, or 12, then you made out uh, really well. I think getting the the two, one this year, especially with the depth at wide receiver
1: and we have the chat going off about how great they think the 25 class is going to be now. So, you know, they're saying RB
2: heavy, they're saying RB. Yeah. RB. Again, it, it, it happens every year. I mean, you know, it's, it's secular, right? We talk about it being terrible, then it's great. And then when a draft class hits, it's terrible. I mean, we just, we just tend to go through uh, cycles every year with every draft class and, and, and that's why it's important not to listen to every single voice that's out there, but, you know, have a few trusted voices that you think do a really good job discerning overall talent and, and kind of plug into them as you start to weed through your evaluations.
1: Yep. So let's move on. TA3, the many times talked about Jordan Love and Drake London for Zach Charbonnet, Quentin Johnston, the 112, 206, 209 and 210. One more time. Jordan Love and Drake London for Zach Charbonnet, Quentin Johnston, the 112, 206, 209, and 210. I'm going to go first because I'm already talking way too fast. Um, I get rebuilding. I get wanting to break down some assets. I get wanting to get young and get draft picks, but this feels quarters for dollars. I, I, I to, to me, this even if you're rebuilding,
0: Jordan Love and Drake London are fine pieces, I think, for rebuilding. I mean, unless you're trying to break down, like, yeah. I mean, the other side is too, but like, like you said, Quentin Johnston is nothing right now. Like, has zero value. Charbonnet is hope at this point, and then all those picks are total crapshoots. One twelve is a virtual second, and then you have seconds. So yeah, I mean, I think either side. Is, I I kind of got the idea that the other person was trying to rebuild with all those picks and everything, uh, but. I'd rather just have the better young pieces than just trying to break down the young pieces, like you said, for quarters.
2: Yeah, I agree with both you guys. I mean, Drake London's going to be 23 this coming season. I mean, there's still definitely uh, a, a long runway with him. And think about what this trade might have looked like, though, Um last year, right? Uh, the values would have been a little bit different, you know, because Jordan Love, there were a lot of question marks. How was he going to fill in? What was he going to look like as a starter? Quentin Johnson, Johnson was the darling, you know, sleeper pick. that uh, there, so many people liked him and thought he was going to do so well in uh, with the Chargers. And, you know, if you're talking uh, first round and three second rounders, that package probably looks a lot different if we're looking at it last September as opposed to, uh, you know, today. Uh, but today, definitely, I would rather have Jordan Love and Drake London.
1: The end. Sorry, Dustin. We love you. Uh, next, let's move on to TA5. So this, this is a me and Frank trade, you know, the Frank in the chat. And he messages me earlier, like this morning, and he's like, hey, man, our trade going to make it into the, into the show? And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't put the show. I didn't put the sheet together, probably. And, and then he messages me like, Five hours later, he's like, hey, man, you know, if it doesn't make the show, I'm not going to be offended or anything. And by then I did put the sheet together. I'm like, all right, two things. First of all, I know you wouldn't. But also, had I remembered what our trade actually was, I would have said, of course, a trade that big's going to yeah, make
0: it. Uh, yeah, pretty much all significant trade. The only trades that don't make the show is like, you know, Tyler's trade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Trading random guy in a fourth
1: for a third or something. <laughs> for a 26 third. Yeah, Exactly. Um, Couldn't for the, like, I know, I remember doing a deal with Frank and I remember like having fun with it. We went back and forth a few times and I remember it being, I thought it was of significant players, but couldn't for the life of me remember what we did. So I was just like, maybe. (laughs) So the trade in Trade Addicts 5, it was Garrett Wilson and the 113 for Kyron Williams, Mark Andrews, and a 25 second. I will absolutely say this was a, for me, and I won't tell you which side I got yet but this was 100% a trade just to make a trade with Frank like i just i wanted to do what, i wanted to get a deal done so i found something i felt good doing and just did it anyway
2: yeah uh, it's pretty close i mean yeah, you know when I you break it you down do it <laughs> it's I, it's I, it's close and usually when it's like that i side with the wide receiver Just especially one that's you know going to be twenty four years old and potentially gets Aaron Rodgers back next season. Uh, As much as I like Williams and thought he was an absolute monster down the stretch, running back is just too volatile for me to to feel that comfortable with it. So if I can get a wide receiver who I really like and one thirteen, that's going to give me an opportunity to potentially get another quarterback, maybe a Bo Nix or a McCarthy or a wide receiver then I'm probably going to lean the wide receiver side in the draft pick, but it is, it's really close. It really kind of comes down to need. If you need a running back and a tight end, I absolutely see making that deal from the other perspective.
0: I'm with Leo. I mean, to me, this is super fair uh, value wise. And, I, I, I guess part of it too would lean if you had like how high end of a team you expect to be in 2024 too. Uh, you know, you could use the, the tight, the running back and the, uh, slightly older tight end a little more in that case, obviously. And I, I think value wise, I lean the Garrett Wilson side just because I think he's still super highly valued and, um, I can see a little worry for Kyron this year. I mean, I don't think anyone expects him to duplicate last year. Uh So, I mean, we could see him even be an RB2, depending on how things go Uh in terms of actual production by the time the year rolls around. So I think I lean Garrett Wilson, but I, if I had Kyron Williams and Mark Andrews and I was a, a team I feel like is going to be like top three or four next year, I, I think I'd have a real hard time moving them.
1: Well, just to give away which side I got, regardless of what my team was last year, I just gave myself a violent push towards competing. Um, <laughs> this this really came down to, like, I forgot what he originally was coming after. Like, he wasn't coming after Garrett Wilson or the 113. It's say he was coming after anything. I think he updated his trade bait. That's that's how this started. And I'm like, all right, let me send Frank an offer. He's been in the league for, like, two weeks, and I haven't sent him an offer yet. This is silly. Um and I don't remember how we went back and forth. And he, again, didn't have Garrett Wilson or 113 involved at all. And there was an old wide receiver. I can't remember who it was. And I was just like, I don't want that. I think it was Steph Diggs. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm I'm taking a step back on Diggs right now. Um, and then I just sent him this as is. And I was just like, Garrett Wilson and 113 for Kyron Williams and Mark Andrews. And I'm sitting there staring at it. And I'm like... And the twenty-five second, you know, like, and and it's that second that would make me feel like, all right, even though I I, I like my side that I'm giving up, I I lo- I really like Garrett Wilson, and I'm getting very concerned about this. Aaron Rodgers wants Devonte Adams to come to the team, though. Good offenses is good for the offensive players. I don't think Garrett Wilson can't be good because Devonte Adams is there. But like, I I I want it to, I want Garrett Wilson just to be the guy. Can't Garrett Wilson just be the guy? Come on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I thought, the value in this was fair, and again, I wanted to get a deal done with Frank. so I I saw fair, and I was just like, cool, let's do it. Ooh, context from Frank. Um, oh, here we go. I hate Kyron and Mark Andrews. I literally picked them in the dispersal with the thought of trading them. So this worked for him. There you go. Perfect, perfect. And honestly, if I love second chance dispersals, or he he technically wasn't second chance; he was a new owner um, manager, but. That's how you should handle most dispersals. Most, like You most likely aren't leaving a dispersal with a good team. Usually teams are in dispersals because they're bad and got dropped. Um, very rarely will very good teams find their way into dispersal. So what you really should do, and you should always in draft, is draft for value. Just draft the most valuable player on the board. And again, assuming you have an active enough league, you do something like this with an idiot that's willing just to trade for the sake of trading. That's how that goes. Next trade we have Jamison Williams, the 104 and 304 for the 102. So I guess this goes to say do you think Jamison Williams is enough to get from the 104 to the 102?
2: So for me it isn't. And and not that I dislike Williams because I think he definitely started to show some of his skill set down the stretch as the Lions, you know, made their playoff push and got into the playoffs. But for me, I like to have – I like to be able to make my own decisions come draft time, and having the one-two really comes down to my conviction for the top of that class. I don't, I don't want to have to depend on the player that I want falling. I want to be able to get the player that I want. I also want to have the, the most valuable chip going in in case I want to make a trade. So for me, dropping down two spots – unless I have Marvin Harrison and Malik dead even and and I'm comfortable either way, I want to be able to, I want to be able to dictate terms. I want to be able to go quarterback. If I want, I want to be able to take whichever wide receiver I want. And so for me, I need, in order to drop down, even those two spots, because I think there is a slight teardrop after two, I want to, I would need more compensation for that.
1: Yeah, that's that's I, I'm uh, I'm always fine dropping down a pick or two in a tier, especially because not because especially when I, it is a much better phrasing like the beginning of la- the last not yet last year the year before uh, with Garrett Wilson and Jameson Williams, who else was up there, um, Drake London and Traylon Burks like I could have gotten any of those four and just been happy about it, you know. So like in there, I was always willing to go back one or go back two. Um, my thing is in this, like, is this is like last year's class where it's those three quarterbacks. And usually you knew which one you wanted of those three quarterbacks. And I feel like this is one of those things where that drop from two to four is probably just worth more than Jameson Williams. And, and that's that's really my sticking point of this. Like, I'm cool if you want to drop back. Usually that's what everyone loves to do. Everyone loves trading back. I'm at the point where I trade up because I don't like making, I don't like, I'd rather make a decision that has better odds than multiple. Okay. Decisions because I'm terrible at making multiple decisions. Um, So like, I would absolutely be willing to pay up, willing to move down. I would love to be able to get from the one Oh two to the one Oh two, only giving up Jameson Williams to move up Mm -hmm. those two spots. I agree. (laughs) And and, hey, man, he's here. This was also Frank. Context for this one. It keeps me in a tier I wanted. I think the 102 versus the 104 is a crapshoot. So yeah, I'll take a shot on Jameson and a dart throw in the first in my eyes for a very similar player.
2: And that makes sense. I mean, it really comes down, like I said, to your conviction about those players. If you have four players in your top tier, then you're not really making you know that big of a sacrifice to move down two spots it all depends on on how you feel if if you feel there's a for me there's a drop and i want to control my own pick i mean we talked about opening when we talked when you opened the show we talked potentially about worse trades and i told you the one that stuck with me through the years was trading back one spot and losing out on nick chug and then going with sony michelle so i mean those things kind of stick in your head and if 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 at, if the choice at one two is Marvin Harrison, and at one four you take Malik Neighbors instead, and you have them in that same tier, then fine. And it's a great bump to get Williams, and you're good. But otherwise, there's you know there's a, a difference. And if Marvin Harrison is a tier higher for you, then keep the one two. Or you want you want uh, Jaden Daniels, keep the one two and and drive drive you know the emphasis yourself instead of relying on somebody else making the pick for you
1: i love other people making decisions for me just to put it out <laughs> there that's that's why i married the woman i married that's why i find myself working for specific bosses it's just yes please just tell me what to do it's fine just just keep it. yeah all right what's our next trade uh scroll 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 let's dive down to trade addicts 11 Kyler Murray, the 211 and 302 for Bryce Young, Christian Watson, 112, 208, and 209.
2: Yeah, give me Kyler Murray and uh, 211. I'm fine with that. I'll take I'll take the bump from Kyler Murray. I'm not out on Bryce Young. I think, you know, based on his draft stock and and what we saw in college, I think he's, he's a decent buy cheap, but that to me... I would rather have Kyler Murray and, and know what I'm getting at the quarterback position in a super flex and paying the rest of that is, is fine for me.
0: And I'm just going to reiterate what you said earlier, Russ, like people just hate on Kyler Murray so much for, I don't know what reason the guy just produces, especially from a fantasy perspective, every time he's on the field and he should be healthy now. Uh, yeah. This isn't enough, but like Bryce Young, Christian Watson, 112 are the best three assets, and they're all huge crapshoots, in my opinion.
1: Kyler Murray is not, so. I'm very happy that you guys picked my side this time. <laughs> um, so I I had a, you know, my team was in pretty heavy rebuild mode. Um, I had, this is my one t- I had Stroud and Young, and it's just like, this felt cool for the year where I wasn't competing, but now, I want to compete. I have the 101. I have CJ Stroud. I want to, I want to make a push. I want to like get my team better. So I'm sitting there looking around and this came off of either listening or being on a show where we were talking or listen, uh, someone else was talking about Kyler Murray and, and it clicked in my head that I'm like, I, do, I don't think people are back there yet. And I'm like, let me see what, let me see what it takes. And what's really what was so funny about this and this, Write down in your notebooks if you are in a league with me. Um, this started out, I believe, I sent Bryce Young, Christian Watson, and the one twelve for Kyler Murray, and like maybe I asked for a, a mid second along with it. A- and this was Eric, um, Eric Flynn, who is just an awesome human being. He 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 had a sticking point with that mid second. He's like, well, throw in like the two eight and like, and he starts going back and forth. And I'm like, dude, and then he just sends me, all right, I'll send you one last one. And it just had like 16 draft picks on it. And I'm like, I hope this makes sense. I'm just saying yes at this point. Because <laughs> it's like 208, 29, 302, I'm like, whatever, man. Sure, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and and, it, and then what was even funny was like, man, I was just clicking buttons. I hope that makes sense too. And I'm like, oh, we're the same. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I thought, that I thought it was a fair deal. Like again, I I like Bryce Young. I think he's good. I of course it would have been great if he pulled what C.J. Stroud did, but no one really saw C.J. Stroud doing what he did. Even if you thought he's capable of it, I, I always hope situations get better instead of getting worse. And while the Panthers don't have their first, and would have been very interesting to see what they would have done with the 101, but I guess that doesn't really matter. And, but like, they still have the ability to make their team better. You know, they have cap space to bring in a wide receiver an offensive lineman. They do have, I believe a second and third pick or second and fourth. Um, so they, they still have the ability to make their team better. So I believe that Bryce Young will continue to get better, but then it came down to, Christian Watson being super uh, in my mind, the one twelve having value, but still being a dart throw. And then Bryce young still having questions. And I'm like, but then I can just get Kyler Murray. So I just got Kyler Murray. Um, So I like this trade. I think it's a fair trade, but I just want Kyler Murray. (laughs) So, so I did that and then completely blowing up my spot, taking away my spotlight as usual, Addison Hayes, pulls off a trade of Justin Herbert, Kenneth Walker and Tank Dell for Anthony Richardson, George Pickens and the 104. Can't remember which side was Addisons. I just remember that he was involved. Um so one more time, Justin Herbert, Kenneth Walker and Tank Dell for Anthony Richardson, George Pickens and the 104.
2: I mean that's that's a big boy trade and it's uh and it's pretty fair. I mean, you know, looking at looking over the sheet ahead of time a little bit, I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's that's tough. I mean, that that you're really splitting hairs as far as I'm concerned, you know, value wise, if you were to if you were to assign the numeric value to each player, I think they would like a trade calculator. I think you'd come out really even uh, gun to my head in a vacuum. I would lean slightly to the Richardson pickings and the one four simply because of what that one four brings and what it allows me to do come draft time again with having draft capital being draft active. And if I have to make a pick, you know, it's going to, it could potentially be um Drake may could be Malik neighbors, guys that I really think highly of, And I do think Anthony Richardson has a really good trajectory. I think even before the injury, we saw enough that I thought he's a dynamic playmaker at the quarterback position. I like what he brings. I'm not crazy about Steeler wide receivers and, and what that offense looks like, but even with the difficult surroundings and I'm not going to block and all the nonsense that went on with Steeler wide receiver situations, Pickens still put up solid numbers. Uh, So for me, uh, just again, based on how I would like to build a roster and being draft draft active, I would prefer to have Richardson Pickens in one four. but I can't argue anybody that would rather have the other side. I really can't. It, for me, it's so close that it really comes down to personal preference.
1: Can we take a moment to celebrate that we made Leo say in a vacuum, I'm doing this yep. after a times. An hour and six minutes, and now thirty-seven seconds of context matters. Context matters. Context matters. Matters. Well, in a vacuum. Yes.
2: <laughs> in a vacuum.
1: All right,
2: go rock.
0: <laughs> I was just gonna say I'm I'm with Leo that it's definitely close, but I and I think I actually lean the other side slightly, uh, mainly just because I I would still value Herbert over Richardson. Uh, I, I, I would value Walker over Pickens and definitely the 104 over Tank Dell, but the difference isn't enough to counterbalance the other two for me. I really like Tank Dell too. Uh I, I think he's gonna be a legit player. So uh I just like all three of this. And I, 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 I kinda it's kind of I think what I said about one of the other trades is I view I definitely think I agree with uh Leo. Anthony Richardson's got a ton of upside and and he's probably going to work out, at least from a fantasy perspective. But I still view all those um on the bottom, and I guess you could do Tank Dell this way as more a lot more maybes. I mean, I guess Pickens had probably a decent year last year too, but it's still a lot of maybes there. Even the one oh four is technically especially if that ends up being like a quarterback, that could totally the third quarterback I think could totally bust, you know. We expect like Caleb like to Nathan be great.
1: was the third quarter. Uh, well, I guess you no. Know, Stroud was
2: the third quarter. Well, I think you're talking about what uh, about like Drake May coming off the board. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Or yeah. yeah,
0: or yeah, whoever you have there, Daniels well, or whatever. But yeah, yeah.
2: Let me ask you this: What do you think the impacts of Harbaugh are going to be in that? You know charge your offense i mean if if he dials back the pass attempts and i maybe more efficiency but i do think that that's a factor this is an interesting trade one that to, to notate and say let's look at this in you know next you know january and see how this played out because i do think that I do think that how we're looking at this today is going to be completely different, maybe even in September, how we're looking at it once we start to see what Harbaugh's impact on that offense could potentially be.
0: No, I agree. I think that's a definite concern, that especially with bringing Roman in and everything, that, that it could be it could be run heavy there. Yeah, so I, I get you're saying there. I just, I still think I, I lean that way, but I, I see what you're saying.
1: This comes down to fun versus <laughs> safe. Um, and and that's really what it is to me and usually I weirdly enough fall on the safe side of these uh, I, I'm, I, I agree that Richardson has shown enough that he's going to put up fantasy points whether he plays as well as he did pre-injury or even if he drops a little bit if that you know it's like the Will Levis effect that I, I think we're saying now like in the beginning he just did really 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 well and maybe he needed to fall back to earth but we didn't Richardson didn't have enough time to do that You know, he played well, got hurt, played well, got hurt the rest of the year. And not to belittle the idea that he had surgery on his throwing shoulder. That's a bit of a big deal. But, and then 104 is exciting and all that stuff. But Justin Herbert's really, really, really good. We saw Tank Dell do really, really, really well. And yeah, he broke his leg. But, I mean, are we worried that that's going to take anything away from his play? I don't think so. And I, I don't. This is going to sound, I mean, I've said this before and it might sound like a little mean. I think it's just easier, especially in this draft and free agency class, to replace Nico Collins than it would be to replace Tank Dell. I don't think or know that either of them will get replaced, though I would love for T. Higgins to land in Houston um, just because I want him to catch balls from CJ Stroud. Um, but I, I personally, my love of Herbert and Tank Dell would make me stay with that side. But I like, I like everyone has been saying so far, this is a good trade. This is a good yeah, trade. Yeah. And it made me so angry that they pulled off a good trade right after I made mine. It's like, just just give me a few minutes in the sun, man. Just just let me soak it in. <sighs> All right. Well, that is the end of our trade. So let's move on to our listener questions, of which we have a bunch. So let's move in. At Tom underscore Eli, new, T, new, T, new TA member. Wow, that was tough to say for some reason. Um, can't remember for the life of me which league he's in, but he's in one of them. Um, Based on an auction bankroll league I am in, these picks had the same value last year. Assuming you had an unlimited roster and trade addict scoring, what would you rather have? The 101 or the 206 through 312, the 101 or the 109 through 112, or the 109 for the 301 through the 312?
0: Can I just say, this is why I hate auction rookie drafts. I this hate is, them.
1: Yeah, this this is like a, a trade calculator question. How many small things can I put in here to equal but you can here? do it in
0: an auction in an auction rookie
1: draft. Yeah, and that's I mean there's oh man. Listening to John Bosch and all of that stuff is just the there's so much strategy in, in auctions. It's dizzying. <laughs> um but yeah I don't think anyone is taking these lesser sides the like well the multiple picks versus the larger ones
0: yeah I assumed he was just doing this to make a point or something like I, I don't know that, that, the same I, point I, that I, I like to team make team that you should not be team able team. to get the you know I'm not that anyone's realistically going to capture half of the second and all of the third but the fact that you could and have the 101 essentially is is insane to me I I I hate rookie auctions I hate them
2: I agree with able, you guys. You
0: should yep. not be able to have little bits add up to, like, enough money to, to, to grab the topic from somebody.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's Next question. Her, Herms. I, I'd love that, you know, asking questions and in the chat. Uh, do y'all prefer to make big trades with lots of pieces or smaller deals with just a couple players and maybe some picks? I like smaller deals, but I'd be curious how y'all feel about it.
2: Yeah so for me it really comes down to what the comfort level is with the person that I'm dealing with. Uh, I'm comfortable making either one. I think larger trades are more fun because there's more pieces involved and you can flip your roster that, you know, and fewer moves by making larger trades. Uh, that said, there's a lot of folks out there, a lot of managers out there who don't like to make larger deals. They get a little squeamish the more pieces you add and makes them a little more uncomfortable. So really how I like to deal is whatever gets the deal done, and if I know I'm dealing with a manager that prefers to just go one for one or potentially you know, two for two, small bump, whatever it looks like, I'll do that. If I've got a manager that's extremely comfortable with three players and three picks, then I'm good with that as well. But really, like I said, it ultimately comes down to what's what's the comfort level of who I'm dealing with based on experience, trial and error. That's one of the things you would jot down. Like if you start to work on a deal and you expand it too much and the person gets cold feet and says, you know what, I'm done. You know, this this has gotten out of hand, pulls away, you notate that. And then the next time you know that you're going to make sure you keep the deal a little smaller. But it's all about comfort level.
0: And I'm, I'm one of those guys that are comfortable with the smaller ones. I, I uh, My brain starts to hurt the more pieces you add and trying to figure out, how, you know, if the value is right or not. And if I want to do that. And I'm a much more of a two for one or or like earlier two for two guy. Uh, I'm sure I have made bigger deals and. Uh, I, I'm not big in terms of he. I believe he meant this in terms of pieces. I'm not as big on making smaller deals in terms of player, like I like Tyler type deals, or, or even above that, like I, I trading this random guy for a second, and, or you know, getting a two thirds and and something else for a, a random RB three or something. That that I'm not that into. Uh, I, I prefer to trade bigger pieces in terms of value, but. In terms of numbers, I like to keep it smaller.
1: Yeah, and, and with me, it's like what with Le- what Leo said, it's whatever really works. Um, I clearly, if too much gets involved and smaller pieces start to get involved, it starts to hurt my brain. And I'm just like, uh, whatever. Um, and if I'm in the right mood, that usually just means I sometimes just hit accept, which is a bit of an issue. Um, but like, I remember like when I was dealing with a couple of newer players every once in a while, and I would send like a three for five and they'd be like, whoa, what the, and I'm like, all right, let me break this down for you. And I, I didn't revoke that trade. What I did was I sent it in smaller pieces. Like this really can be three separate trades, two for one, two for one, one for one. Like this is how my brain put this together or how I valued it. And they're like, Oh, that, okay. So if it's something where you can, you know, put the sides next to each other and draw lines on what equals what, then it doesn't really matter how big it is. But if it's ridiculous and you have to be like, all right, well, the extra value from here can go down here, but the extra value from there has to be, like and, and you know, you end up with your arms tied in knots trying to figure out what it is. Maybe you just pare it down a little bit. It, it comes down to comfort level and brain activity at the moment, I guess is what, it, what that really comes down to. Um, and my silly question at the end of our tweet was If you could have any animal as a pet What would it be and what would you name it He says if I could have any pet I'd want a trained squirrel and I'd name it Humphrey I don't know why You don't need to know why That's a fantastic name for a squirrel And by
0: the, I, I never had a squirrel But uh, when I was like 12 We had a beagle named Humphrey by the way
1: I have no idea
0: why my parents named it Humphrey but
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, My friends have squirrels that they're not pets. They're practically friends at this point because they'll leave, you know, peanuts and stuff out, out in front for them. So they just sit on the steps and squirrels come in and hang out with them. It's awesome and terrifying a little bit at first, but it's it's super cool. Um, but before we move on, I need to know, Leo, if you could have any pet. Now, I didn't have the t- the space in the tweet to say it could be ridiculous, but the-, and the animal would be nice. Like you can get a lion and not worry that it's going to eat you what what if you can have any animal as a pet what would it be and what would you name it
2: hmm i'd get a um siberian tiger and i would name it zeus love it that's oh, epic you. you have a lot to make me
0: come on. up with an answer for this cuz i have no freaking
1: idea <laughs> um my <laughs> answer has always been a hippo i like hippos have been my spirit <laughs> animals since i was you know in middle school um just fat, lazy things that for some reason can run 20 miles an hour. And while our complete vegetarians kill more people than sharks, it's like, yeah, leave me alone and everything's absolutely fine. Just, just leave me alone, man. Uh, Um, and I would name my hippo Hank and I could really be convinced on almost any name that starts with an H because I need the alliteration of like Hank, the hungry hippo.
0: How about uh, this, Russ? I'll get a I'll get a little capuchin monkey and have it sit on my shoulder and we'll call it out boo.
1: Love it! <laughs> yes. Perfect. That that's that is perfect. Yes. <laughs> uh, ooh, ne- man. This is a night for questions from new TA members at b Hillman42. I'm a fan of the Red Panda. Adorable, by the way. Red pandas are adorable. Something about when you when they get intimidated their way of trying to act intimidating is to stand up straight and put their hands in the air. They make themselves bigger. So they literally just like, and they they're like red raccoons. They're adorable. Um, Clive Bixby would be his name for modern family fans, which is not me. So I don't get that joke. Um, His question what would be the perfect scenario for the fantasy community with the Bears pick at 101? Would you rather they keep it and trade Fields or trade the pick and keep Fields?
2: From a fantasy perspective, if I if I could wave a magic wand and have it be a certain way, I think I'd have them trade Fields draft a wide receiver at one nine and either with the package they get back from fields or somehow with their draft capital, work their way back into the late first and grab a second wide receiver so that they could add, uh, Caleb Williams, um, and, and two wide receivers from this class to go with DJ Moore. I would love to see what that offense would look like in three wide receiver sets with Cole Komet and Caleb, um, you know quarterbacking that squad and then you move fields to a to a team that doesn't have some quarterbacking stability like maybe pittsburgh where all the rumors are yeah potentially you solidify that offense a little bit more than what they've had and and all the way around the fantasy community would benefit from that
0: can i just steal Leo's answer
1: yeah Um, i would also say i I wouldn't mind
0: fields in atlanta as well that that could be fun
1: Yep. Well, I in the chat earlier where they were trying to solve the NFL's quarterback placement issues, I said Russell Wilson to Atlanta, please. Uh, I want accuracy beyond anything else in that place. Like that's that's what we need. Um, Herms is saying that is a great modern family joke. Cool. I'm glad. I'm glad it landed. Um, I will. I will. I will put one little pinch in here. I want the Bears to trade down to two. I want Washington to trade up you know, fulfill this, they got Kingsbury stuff to go try and get Caleb. Because then the Bears still trade Fields, so they get extra picks, trade down so they get extra picks, and still get a really good quarterback at two. And that's such a – that's a dynasty move in the NFL. Like, that I love. So, yeah, now I'm at the point where just get let Fields go somewhere else. Like, he needs a new start. I was – for a long time, I was – on the boat of just just keep Fields, man. I like Fields, let him stay. Now it's, I think we're done. I think it's time to move on and let him try somewhere else. But I think regardless, it's going to be interesting. Like even if they keep Fields and trade the one-on-one, they're got it, like, like Leo was saying, they have to beef up the rest of that offense. Um, except for running back. Roshan Johnson is just going to be the guy there in the next five to seven years because that's what happens on the Jet McKinnon converted QB to running back timescale. Gotcha. I'm here for it. Um, next, Ronnie A. Evans. Oh, man. Uh, what the heck is a generational talent? We get at least one guy with that label every year, often multiple. Are we using that term wrong? Is is it about the generation of the positional lifespan or a literal generation, 18 to 24 years? I repeat, what the fork is a generational prospect? A, love that you actually typed the word fork out to one, make me not curse be, make me think of the good place. And that show just makes me happy.
2: Yeah. I I think we just use the term too loosely is what we do. And I think we do that with, we do it too often with too many players. I, I think part of that is driving engagement and, and trying to, you know, get hits, likes, tweets, you know, retweets, whatever, whatever that looks like. And I think part of it is, Again, talk shows on the radio, on TV, ESPN, everything's about shocking and just being as, you know, uh, narrative driven as possible. So we throw that word around extremely loosely. I've always taken it as a 20 year span, a generation, and very few players come along that are truly generational talents. We may see one a generation, maybe two a generation. I think it's used, you know, a little bit more accurately in the NBA when they talk about you know, a Michael Jordan, to a Kobe, to a LeBron, to a Wembenyana. It, it, you know, it kind of is a little bit better, but it's, it's still thrown a lot around way too loosely.
0: Yeah, I, I think we use it, on, well, not we, but some people use it uh, like synonymously almost to like just mean a leap almost. It, that's the way it seems to me.
1: See, the thing is, I, I, I and I think it was used somewhat correctly for a little bit because – now, I didn't play Dynasty for the 90s and into the early 2000s, no less the 2010s. But it seemed like there wasn't the apex of QB prospects pretty much between like Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Like, and, and it really was Andrew Luck, it felt, at least for me, that first time they're like, generationally amazing talent. And then the problem was there just started to be a lot better players coming out. So it's like, oh, man, generational talent stopping to think that, wait, there was one of those two days ago, you know. And and I think that's what really the problem became where you're right, Rock, where it just we started using that word so much, it sort of just lost the meaning to it. Now it's used for something else where and exactly in that after luck came lawrence but honestly there was people in between there that were called that so like uh, there's and it, it really you, just became an overuse of the word because i think te- people just got more talented as time went on
0: yeah and i think you can say you have elite prospects every year uh, Yeah, but generational kind of has a different connotation that people are not putting to it anymore they're like i said i think they're basically using them almost interchangeably instead of uh generational should mean like the elite of the elite of the elite over the past like 10 to 50 draft classes
1: all right next question at it's the kai's are there any qbs you're buying at a quote-unquote low or at price where you think they will grow in value in the coming year or two
2: well i think we've talked about one quite a bit tonight right Kyler murray is somebody that is i don't has a level of you know disdain or underappreciation on him for whatever reason among the community so i think the key for this is is again comes back to the variance tracking build the, we talked about on deciphering dynasty 1 episode we talked about especially in the off season when when there's a little bit more time to do it building a variant spreadsheet where you put down a consensus ranking in a vacuum and then you put down you know what does that variance look like? What is your ranking if you're rebuilding? If you're title chasing? Kind of making it squad specific or league specific, and then looking for the variances so that you can target those players. So for me, it'd be a couple of things, right? And I wrote a couple of things down as we were as you were reading off the question. I think the two that I would go after that are potentially underappreciated that have a longer runway are Kyler Murray and Bryce Young. I think those two at the price point, I think you can you can see an upward trajectory, you can see a long runway, and you're not paying a premium for them. Then I think there's some other quarterbacks that I think are stabilizers that, um, depending on what your needs are uh, from a Superflex perspective, you can get by with like a Baker Mayfield or a Russ Wilson without paying a premium for them and still having a legitimate starter to get you through uh, for a year or two as a stopgap, potential depth as a second quarterback. Third quarterback I'd mention, who I'm not super high on, but I do think he's got probably the largest variance in front of him is Deshaun Watson what does he look like when he's back under center for the Browns for a full year healthy um potentially you know has his issues worked out and he's ready to contribute for you know 16 17 games and 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 produce at what we've seen him do before with Houston so I think I think those are kind of the targets I would go for um underappreciated guys at the moment like Bryce and Kyler Uh, stopgap guys like baker and russ and then uh, potentially deshaun watson for maybe the the biggest swing in overall production for 2024
1: 2024 this is the bad part about having smart guests on they steal the good answers
0: Uh, I agree. <laughs> but I did have one other one I was going to throw in there. And he's not uh, hes not low right now. But I think he has – uh, going more with the second part of the question where I think he has potential for growth and value. And that's the guy we talked about just a, a couple questions ago. I, I think Fields, uh, if he moves on, <laughs> gets in the right spot. I think he – I just looked on DLF's January ADP. And maybe it even goes down a little bit because of all the uncertainties surrounding him. I don't know. But he's at QB 12, which, again, is not low. Low, low yeah. but I think he definitely has potential to, to rise up big time, um, especially if he produces in a new spot. Uh, I, I, and I, I always like the t- I liked him coming out and uh, he's got the rushing ability. So there's definitely there's always a high ceiling there. Uh, it just depends if he can get in the right spot with the right coaching, with the right players and all that stuff. So I definitely think there's growth potential, even from QB 12 for fields, if he gets uh, the right landing spot.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to real quick echo the Bryce Young thing, because I think, honestly, you can probably, in a rookie draft, get Bryce Young for this second tier of quarterbacks, at like the back end of the first. And if that's the case, the answer to me is Bryce Young, because he was drafted that early in the NFL in rookie drafts for a reason. One bad year on a terrible team doesn't change that for me whatsoever. Um, my other answer is, one, I I don't even think I like this answer, but... The possibility of value shift for Will Levis can be gigantic if it pays off in this new what-should-be-very-pass-heavy offense. Uh, It always helps to be throwing – is Hopkins a free agent or is he still there? Because that matters a bit. But, like, they have the money that they could go and grab T. Higgins to follow the offensive coordinator from – well, the new offensive coordinator who was just in Cincinnati – um, I still believe in Traylon Burks. Ty J Spears has a really good receiving um, ability. Uh, Chigo Conko is okay, um, but like, if he puts things together, and if he's just like not bad, like if he can play at the level of what like Jordan Love did. Let's face it, Jordan Love didn't play great. He just played good and it just so happens that his receivers did well also so it just made him look a little better so if in a pass heavy offense will levis can play well like i don't think you're spending a first to go get will levis right now and if he is like qb 15 16 in production he's gonna be worth a first easily once once he starts putting up points so again i don't even think i like this answer because i don't know if he can do that but the risk seems a little low for what it can be Just to answer you, Hopkins is signed for this year. Okay, thank you. Uh, We're going to make this our last question because we hit an hour and a half, and Frank even said we could save his for (laughs) next time. Um, At Buffer 9442, when selling high-valued players, what is the best way to maximize your return? One, put them on a trade block and let offers come to you, or two, send out your own offers to multiple managers. If option two, how do you balance sending fair offers with getting the best return?
2: So I think league history comes into play because sometimes putting them in trade bait and making it known to the entire league is beneficial. My experience has been that that generally fills up with players that you really could care less whether you move or not. And it just ends up being just a bunch of wasted time. Now your leagues may be different, That may be a great way to do it. If there's history with that being successful, then utilize it. It's a tool that said making trades is like muscle memory. The more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it, the the better you'll be at evaluating. I don't think trade calculators are a bad tool to kind of give you a a perspective. Um, There's a few websites out there that offer, you know, a, a point value system for players by position, you know, wide receivers. It'll list the top fifty, and it'll give you a like a dollar amount for each one to try to build a trade. Uh, I think for me, the best way to get it done has always been to figure out what's beneficial for two squads. I hate to just say, "Hey, I'm looking to move this guy. What do you want to give me?" And I hate when other managers email me and say, "Hey, what do you want for this per- for this player?" What I like to do is check the other rosters. If it's a 12-team league, let's look at the 11 other rosters in this league. Let's look where the vulnerabilities are, where the weaknesses are. Let's look where my strengths are, and let's try to build a deal that is beneficial to both squads. And – Again, as you start to put these together, ask. That's what this thats what this podcast is about. That's what Twitter is about. If you're not comfortable with building offers, the way you get comfortable is to ask people who have experience, what do you think would be a good trade offer if this is what I want to move? This is what I'm looking at. DM, get in chats. There's Discord. There's plenty of, of good, valuable resources out there uh where you can gain that experience. But for me, it's always been checking other rosters, looking for vulnerabilities, trying to build a deal that's beneficial to both squads, and then go from there, then tweak it and try to make it work.
0: I agree with Leo that that sending the offers is probably the better way to do it. In terms of how to balance sending the fair I mean he said a lot about about the the first part of that, but how to balance sending fair offers getting the best return. I was just thinking, you know, think about what you would accept and then ask for a little more <laughs> and then, then see what happens. Uh, and, uh, and then, and then you always gives you that little bit of wiggle room to come down to if, if, you, if there's some negotiating going on.
1: Yeah. Uh, I will say I, I love that we have built uh, in the TA leagues. Trade bait. Isn't what Leo said. Like I know a lot of people see trade bait as blah, whatever. If I'm putting them on there, I just want to get rid of them. Yep. we do, in fact, it, it is used as, I, you know, I want to make some trades. These are the players I want to trade. Of course, we do have a few people. Love you, Ryan. But, man, you literally put your entire team on the trade bait, and that helps nobody. Um, and then, yeah, of course, there's a person that puts people you wouldn't bother sending a fourth for on trade bait. But for the most part, it, it really is like, these are players I feel like moving. That doesn't mean they're discounted whatsoever. But if you want to send me an offer, these are the players that are I'm most likely to move right now. And like I said before with Frank, that's literally what made us make a trade is I wanted to make a trade with Frank. He told me who he was looking to move and I'm like, okay, let's see what we can do. Um, So I I, I love using trade bait. And also like Leo said, use every tool you have. Every league should have a league chat. And we also have the kind of community in TA where you will literally just go into the chat and be like, somebody send me an offer for this player. And chances are you'll get a few. <laughs> you know? Um so and, and that works. That's fine. Do you usually get great offers when that happens? No, y- you know, usually not because people will try and take advantage of the idea that maybe you do just want to get out on that player. But you you know sometimes you get good offers. Chances are you like offers you send better than offers you get. Sometimes you get lucky. That being said, do all of these, you know, if you really, if you want to make a move and you want this high valued player off your team, because you think it's peak, tell people you want them to send you offers to be like, Hey, I just sent four offers. If you didn't get one and you're interested, send me or tell me and I'll go send you an offer. You know, I have said it multiple times. I hate making decisions. I hate, I love being lazy. So send me offers, please. <laughs> I love that. And let me just make the choice of which I want. But also, it's easier on you if you just send them out. And how do you balance getting the best offer? Just make sure you're good with every offer you send. If they hit accept, you're happy. Because, like, yeah, you'll send two offers and be like, man, I kind of hope that guy says yes before that guy. <laughs> but, like, never be unhappy with one of the situations because that will always just lead to that one being accepted first. Um, that That's really all it is because... I have this fight with my friend a lot. We, we deal with football cards. And he has such a problem selling anything. because He's like, but what if this happens? It'll be worth more. What if this happens? It'll be worth more. You're never really going to sell anything at its peak, peak, peak value. Just be happy with making a profit. That, that's all you really need to do. Just, just know you are better off than you were before. And that should be enough especially when talking in dynasty value versus actual money, because a lot more goes in with actual money than does in, in dynasty value. So really, how do you balance, you know, getting the best in return? You can't. Just make sure you're happy with the outcome. That's, that is always to me, especially because that's what the TA leagues are about. Just make sure you're happy with it in the end. All that matters. I am so tired. We are calling this night. I apologize, Leo, for keeping you up so late, but thank goodness, you so, brother. so much. For, for hanging around, for being here. Um, before we get out of here, why don't you remind everyone who you are, what you do, and where they could find what you do?
2: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter primarily, and it's at SIGA, C I G A underscore F F. And, you know, I'm not currently producing content in a written form, but I'm doing a show every, uh, every two weeks on Thursday night, and I'm doing it with Kevin Coleman. And you can find it at uh, on, my, on my Twitter page, on his Twitter page. And it's called Deciphering Dynasty. And we spend about an hour just peeling back the layers and talking about context and strategy and, and how to just be uh, a little more thoughtful in, in your approach and how to evaluate and how to improve your processes along the way. So that's where you can find me. And you don't have to apologize for keeping me up late. It's been a lot of fun hanging out with you guys tonight.
1: And I will say, even if you don't judge a podcast based on the content that comes out of it, because both of those, both both Leo and Kevin are are brilliant Dynasty players. They are both wonderful people. So please go give, give them a listen because they deserve it. Um, our stuff, patreon.com slash Uh You can hang out with us while we record and to give us stuff to talk about, make fun of half the stuff I say that goes wrong. Let us know that other people made jokes that we don't understand that landed well. Thank get, you, Irm. I get really appreciate that. multiple tattoos. Yes, talking about <laughs> tattoos before the show. Um showing tattoos before the show. Yeah. It, it got mm-hmm. a little risqué and <laughs> we're we're going to get Rocky to get a tattoo soon. We, we got it. <laughs> I mean, he has an Eagles logo tattooed somewhere he won't tell us about. That's all I <laughs> Um oh yeah we have the discord chat the cool kids club which is just an awesome place to hang out and i mean right now fantasycares.org i don't we just you know finished up with the super bowl squares and gave away a whole lot of jerseys and funko pops but just if you can donate and we appreciate the heck out of any of that and i can't even think of words to say at this point so i'm just gonna say good (laughs) night
0: good night Russ. good night Thank, Thank you, you for listening to the Trade Addict Podcast, a proud member in the Dynasty Addict Podcast Network. Please follow your hosts at Dynasty haha and at Dynasty FF Addict. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We will catch you next time on the Trade Addict Podcast. Poopy pants, that is the best. <laughs>
2: Yeah.